Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Gopi Janna Balabha Girivarid Hari Gopi Janna Balabha Girivarid Hari Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tirambanachari Jamuna Tirambanachari Janna Balabha Girivarid Hari Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tirambanachari Jamuna Tirambanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Gaur Premanandi Haribo Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narottamam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam 
Vito Jayamudirayan Nasta Prayeshwabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Sloke Bhakti Bhavati Naishtaki Right, we are continuing with the introduction to the first canto and chanting chapter one, text one, canto one. Jan Madhyasya Yaton Vayadataratashwa Vigyaswarat Yaton Vayadataratashu Abhigyaswara Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Muyanti Yatsurayaha Tene Kavaye Muyanti Yatsurayaha Tejovari Medam Yatavini Mayo Yatra Tri Sargom Risha Jovari Medam Yatavini Mayo Yatra Trisagomrisham Dhamna Swena Sada Nirasta Kuhakam Satyam Param Dimahi Dhamna Swena Sada Nirasta Kuhakam Satyam Param Dimahi Let's all sing together. Jan Madhyasya Yaton Vayad Itaratashartesva Bigyaswarat Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Muyantiyat Surayaha Tejovari Midam Yatavini Mayo Yatra Tri Sargom Risham Tamna Swena Sada Narasta Kuhakam Satyam Param Dimahi Then the translation of this verse. O my Lord, Sri Krishna, son of Vasudeva, O all-pervading personality of Godhead, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. I meditate upon Lord Sri Krishna because he is the absolute truth and the primeval cause of the causes of creation, sustenance, and destruction of the manifested universes. He is directly and indirectly conscious of all manifestations, and he is independent because there is no other cause beyond him. It is he only who first imparted the Vedic knowledge unto the heart of Brahmaji, the original living being. By him, even the great sages and demigods are placed into illusion, as one is bewildered by the illusory representations of water seen in fire or land seen on water. Only because of him do the material universes, temporarily manifested by the reactions of the three modes of nature, appear factual, although they are unreal. I therefore meditate upon him, Lord Sri Krishna, who is eternally existent in the transcendental abode, which is forever free from the illusory representations of the material world. I meditate upon him, for he is the absolute truth. Jai, please repeat. (laughs) Some of the words here are good to know. Janmadhyasya means the origin of everything. Janmadhyaya, that which gives birth, or janma to everything. Um, abhigya, all-knowing. Abhigya knows everything, past, present, and future. Swara, and fully independent. Um, 
Tene Brahma Hrida, uh, he imparted into the heart of Brahma, who is Adikavaye, the original person, uh, the knowledge of spiritual life. And um, yet even he and all the demigods, Surayaha, are bewildered, Muyanti, by this Tejovari Madam Yata, this uh, illusory energy which makes, uh, like, you see a mirage in the desert, essentially, Tejovari Madam the earth looks like it's on water, and the water looks like it's on earth. Um, and damna means what? What is a dam? Dam, yeah. A boat, right? So damna, swena, sada. Sada means always. So he's always situated in his own self-contained abode, uh, which is freed from all in the abriyatis. Uh, and therefore... Satyam param dimahi. Anyone know what dimahi means? Yes. Meditate. I meditate upon, yes. Therefore, he's the absolute truth, param satyam, and I meditate upon him. Satyam param. It's beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful poetry. All right, so continuing with the life sketch of Lord Chaitanya, the ideal preacher of Srimad Bhagavatam. So yesterday we're reading how the students of Lord Chaitanya all renounced him because he was chanting Gopi, Gopi, Gopi. And they said, why don't you chant Krishna, Krishna, Krishna? And uh, not understanding his mood and second-guessing him, he decided this was inappropriate for him to be in this role as a teacher and therefore decided to uh, get out of that particular profession as a Brahmin. He was a teacher. When the Lord became aware of this criticism, he began to consider the various types of men found in society. He noted especially the students, professors, fruitive workers, yogis, non-devotees, and different types of atheists were all opposed to the devotional service of the Lord. My mission is to deliver all the fallen souls of this age, he thought, but if they commit offenses against me, thinking me to be an ordinary man, they will not benefit. If they offer obeisances, Excuse me. If they are about to begin their life of spiritual realization, they must some way or another offer obeisances unto me. Thus the Lord decided to accept the renounced order of life, sannyas, because people in general were inclined to offer respects to a sannyasi. 500 years ago, the condition of society was not as degraded as it is today. At that time, people would show respects to a sannyasi and the sannyasi was rigid in following the rules and regulations of the renounced order of life. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was not very much in favor of the renounced order of life in the age of Kali, um, but that was only for the reason that very few sannyasis in this age are able to observe the rules and regulations of sannyas life. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu decided to accept this in the order to become an ideal sannyasi to show that the general popu- so the general populace would show him respect. One is duty-bound to show respect to a sannyasi, for a sannyasi is considered to be the master of all the varnas and ashrams. While he was contemplating the uh, uh, accepting sannyas order, it so happened that Keshava Bharati, a sannyasi of the Mayavadi school and resident of Katwa in Bengal, uh, visited Navadweep and was invited to dine with the Lord. When Keshava Bharati came to his house, the Lord asked him to award him the sannyas order of life. This was a matter of formality. The sannyas order is to be accepted from another sannyasi. 
Although the Lord was independent in all respects, still, to keep up formalities of the Shastras, he accepted the sannyas order from Keshava Bharati, although Keshava Bharati was not in the Vaishnava Sampradaya. <laughs> so this, this is all very uh, instructive. Actually, there's a little bit more about this, and then I'd like to talk about this whole pastime. After consulting with Keshava Bharati, the Lord left Navadweep for Katwa to formally accept sannyas. He was accompanied by Srila Nityananda Prabhu, Chandra Shekhar Acharya, and Mukunda Dasa. These three assisted him in the details of the ceremony. The incident of the Lord's accepting of sannyas order is very elaborately described in the Chaitanya Bhagavat by Srila Vrindavandas Thakur. Thus, at the end of his 24th year, the Lord accepted sannyas in the month of Magha. After accepting this order, he became a full-fledged preacher of Bhagavad Dharma. Although he was doing the same preaching work in his householder life, when he experienced some obstacles in his preaching, he sacrificed even the comfort of his home life for the sake of the fallen souls. In his householder life, his chief assistants were Srila Advaita Prabhu and Srila Srivas Thakur. But after he accepted the sannyas order of life, his chief assistants became Srila Nityananda Prabhu, who he deputed to preach directly in Bengal, and the six Goswamis, headed by Srila Rupagos and Sanatan, who were deputed to go to Vrindavan to excavate the present places of pilgrimage. The present city of Vrindavan and the importance of Brajabhumi were thus disclosed by the will of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, um, a few things about this, this pastime. First, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was married, uh, and then his first wife died of the snake bite of separation when he was away. So he remarried to please his mother, who was a widow, and had already lost her only other son to sannyas. So the, the mother, Sachimata, was very much dependent on Lord Chaitanya, and then his, his new wife also was very much dependent on him. But despite that, he accepted sannyas for this reason, that there was some sense of respect still afforded for sannyasis. And by um, acting as a householder, he was somehow sometimes garnering the disrespect of the ordinary people who considered him an ordinary person. So the um, <clears throat> few interesting points here. First, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself quoted the Shastra, which said, one should not accept sannyas in the age of Kali. One should not perform horse sacrifices. One should not beget children and his brother's wife and other injunctions, things that are forbidden in Kali Yuga. So sannyasa is forbidden because it's so abused. Srila Prabhupada's father used to see a... Or actually, Srila Prabhupada saw a beggar who would just come to his spot, change from his ordinary clothes into saffron clothes, and then beg all day. And then when he finished, check out, change back into his ordinary clothes and go. Um, he, Prabhupada said that in Vrindavan there are, um, he said there are 100 sannyasis for every chapati. There are free kitchens that give out chapatis, and there are many sannyasis for every chapati. <laughs> so the word sannyas means what? Sa means with, and nyas means nothing. Sannyas is supposed to mean one who is a real renunciate and depends solely on the mercy of God. 
There are four stages of sannyas the, in the classic Vedic sense. The retired uh, householder is supposed to become a, a vanaprastha, travel to holy places with or without his wife, and then after returning, uh, move out of home into the forest. And living there in the forest, exposed to the elements, a very uh, renounced way, the family will bring his food, so at least he can eat. And then after that, that's called the kutichek period. And then after that austerity for some time, then the sannyasi will no longer accept food from home, but will go from home to home to beg food in the village. This is called bahudak, or many places. And after living in that way for some time, then one will leave the precincts of one's home life and village and just go out into the more distant reaches of the world. This is called the Parirajak Acharya, Parirajak, the traveling mendicant. And after living in this way for some time, one feels confident to go anywhere and everywhere, depending on Krishna, without any sort of financial plan, without any sort of resources to back him up, just simply depending on Krishna. And this is called the Paramahamsa stage, where one can accept the essence, take the essence of life, and leave the rest in any circumstance. Now, this is the classic Vedic methodology for taking sannyas, but it is forbidden in Kali Yuga, or it's certainly discouraged, because people cannot generally follow these strict patterns of renunciation. I mean, do you think you could do that? Could you just walk out and say, okay, now I'm depending on God, leave my checkbook at home, leave my credit card at home, leave my car at home, uh, just take perhaps a couple of changes of clothing and a bowl for begging and a staff for threatening people. <laughs> and to just go out and wonder and depend upon God. This is the actual standard for sannyas. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu knew that at this time people still respected sannyasis. Therefore he accepted this order even at the expense of his wife and his mother's uh, well-being. So the whole scene is described in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, where Chaitanya goes to Katva to take sannyas, and he uh, goes to a barber and says, please cut my hair for the ceremony. And the barber refused. He said, I can't cut your beautiful hair. He said, please, I have to. I have to do this. Something, something like Chandra at Krishna. <laughs> Actually, just the opposite. <laughs> I can't cut your beautiful hair. He said, please, I need this for the ceremony. So he, he cut the hair. And, uh, but it, his, he was just shedding tears the whole time. And after he finished, he never cut hair again. <laughs> He changed his profession. So it was a very dramatic scene, and people were crying and, and to see Nimai Pandit doing this because they loved him so much, and they knew as a sannyasi he would be traveling. He would not stay around the area of his uh, youth and where his family members live. So um, as a sannyasi, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu changed his varna, but he did not change his purpose. His purpose was always the same in spreading the Sankirtan movement, whether he was a householder with Advaita Acharya and Srivastakur, or a renunciate with uh, 
Lord Nityananda and Gadadhar Pandit. He was always in that mood and would do whatever was favorable, even taking a sannyasa initiation from a Mayavadi sannyasi. This is another very subtle, nuanced statement. Uh, first, it says that he was doing it just for the sake of his public <clears throat> impression to help the, the fallen souls appreciate Krishna consciousness. <clears throat> Secondly, he was engaging this Mayavadi in devotional service. It's in personalist Keshava Bharati. So um, later, when he went to Benares, and we'll read about this shortly, but he, uh, he was accosted by all these other sannyasis. You have taken sannyas from such a respectable person, Keshava Bharati, in this disrespected lineage, and yet you spend your time dancing and chanting with sentimentalists. What's wrong with you? And to which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, my spiritual master said I was too much of a fool to understand the Vedic literatures and study them the way that you do. He said, just chant Hare Krishna. And so I just chant. And when I chant, I become ecstatic like a madman. So this is my condition. So um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is this uh, very exemplary person in that for the higher purpose of spreading Krishna consciousness, he observed the, the Vedic tradition, and yet he completely broke it by taking from a Mayavadi sannyasa. <laughs> so on the one hand, the rules and regulations are very important. On the other hand, if it's convenient, just never mind them. So this is important for devotees to understand because there's, there's, you know, there's so much confusion uh, amongst our, ourselves and our movement sometimes about what is the position of the Vedic regulations and the, the Varnashram system and um, what is the means by which we can uh, accommodate it. For example, we have... Uh, Plenty of householders here in Dallas, right? We've established Grihasta Ashram, but there aren't many brahmacharis or vanaprastas, right? So um, we have we kind of have the ashrams identified, but then when we try to impose varnas on devotees, it always becomes discombobulated, you know, because everyone wants to be a brahmin. <laughs> This is a microphone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hare Krishna. In relation to... So, yeah, this, so, so in relationship to, to Lord Chaitanya taking sannyas and, and, and it being not recommended in this age of Kali Yuga, and then also we look at Srila Prabhupada in, in 1975 when... Uh, uh, in the New York Rathiyatra, he was speaking with Tripurari Maharaj, and um, he had made some comments. And um, um, someone can, like congratulated him. Oh, you made so many sannyasis, Sri Prabhupada, you know. And Sri Prabhupada turned around and said, "I haven't made any sannyasis." Mm. He says, "Just like in a ba- in a battle, when." 
when you're in the war, mm. sometimes you take the foot soldiers and you give them a commission. You give them a battlefield commission. So you, you make them officers. He says, but in actuality, they're not qualified. So he, even he went to the limit of, of following that same tradition as Lord Chaitanya as we're mm. speaking now mm. to push on Lord Chaitanya's yeah. movement. Yes, even this... Discounting other considerations. Of but I didn't consider out the window. It's the emergency yeah. of it to get this, this spread. We have to do what do the needful kind of. It's a very very nice example. Yes, um, sannyasis are meant to enliven the uh, temples, and he knew that he could not travel to all the temples, so he needed to depute people to do that. So he was asked, "What happens if some of these sannyasis fall down?" And he said, when you have vegetables, you don't ask what will happen if they go bad tomorrow. You cook them today. He very nicely compared his disciples to subjis <laughs> and uh, gave them this uh, big commission. There's actually a beautiful story about this from a, a book uh, about the Middle East. This, uh, David was the leader of the Jews and uh, after... You know, he slayed Goliath and other politics took place. He ended up becoming the leader. So the, the Jews were being attacked by a, an invading army. And there was one outpost, uh, one city that was left before they would come onto the capital of Jerusalem. So David went to the city and tried to muster a defense force. And all the qualified men, the young men, had already gone off to army and most to war and most had been killed. So were just some um, kind of older men and very young men, and then there was one very eccentric man who was considered too eccentric for the army. But David felt he was the best choice, so he put him in charge. And then just before the invaders came, David slipped out of the, the city. So this man, although he was very eccentric, he organized and led such a ferocious defense that this invading army was held at bay for weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally they overtook the city. And the commander of the army said, bring me their leader. I want to see their leader. So they, they brought this man, this eccentric man, to the, the king. And he said, this was the guy who was giving me so much trouble? I don't think I want to go any further and deal with it. So he turned back to him. <laughs> so... Point is that very unqualified people may be empowered. However, it's also important to understand that the purpose of Krishna consciousness is Krishna consciousness. The, the rules and regulations of Vedic life are just meant to aid our progress in Krishna consciousness, but especially for those who are not devotees. The whole Varnashram system is just to bring people up to the point where they could become devotees you know, by gradually introducing them to rules and regulations, by helping them live a more balanced life that is appropriate for their psychophysical nature, just to help them become peaceful. Just, uh, just for example, the yoga system. There's so many stretches and asanas in the yoga system. Does anyone do yoga? Oh, 75% of your life is wasted. <laughs> Yoga is really, really good to do. Just 10 minutes a day makes a huge difference. But um, all of these exercises are meant for one purpose. You know what that purpose is? 
so that you can sit peacefully. That's all. All, all the stretches, all the, all the various exercises, just so that you can sit in one place and your, your limbs will not bother you. <laughs> so in the same way, all the rules and regulations, this and that, are just meant to help us be peaceful in Krishna consciousness. And if we achieve peace in Krishna consciousness, then we don't need the rules and regulations. It's not that we can abandon them, but it's just that they are not the purpose of our spiritual life. Oh, I've got to observe this one, I've got to observe this one, I've got to observe this one. Even at the expense of our chanting or the expense of our relationships with others, that's especially where it gets ugly. Ah, you're not following this rule and regulation. You've you've heard this. You've been chastised. You're not following this rule. You're not doing you know. So this is very discouraging for Krishna consciousness because uh, it is first of all contradictory to the principle of Trinata peace in each. I want you to offer respect to others and not want respect for oneself. Obviously, if a person's going to be hurt or they're going to be committing some offense, we can help them by informing them. But if it's just a matter of some detail, uh, it, it's very damaging to a relationship to just go and say, oh, you're doing this wrong. Isn't it? It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. If somebody else is responsible to train this person, you might go to that person and say, okay, did you know that your charge is doing this or this? I just want to inform you. And they can deal with it. But when we take it upon ourselves to correct everybody, this is the mentality of Ramachandra Puri. Ramachandra Puri was a godbrother of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's spiritual master. So this Ramachandra Puri was very critical of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So when he came to Lord Chaitanya's village, or the place where Lord Chaitanya was staying, he, he called him, please come and have prasadam with me. And so then he arranged, Ramachandra Puri arranged to feed him and he kept feeding him, take more, now take more, now take more. It was much more intense than being at Naveen's house, which is... <laughs> and because this was an elder godbrother of his guru, he just, when he said, take more, he would take more. And so after a huge meal, then Ramachandra Puri began to criticize him. You're supposed to be a renunciate, and yet you eat so much. And he started talking to people. This Lord Chaitanya, so-called sannyasi, he, I saw him eat so much, eat so much. And so Lord Chaitanya re- responded to this by saying, okay, I'm cutting my eating in half. And all the devotees were distraught. Lord, Chaitanya, please don't do that. You don't have to do that. This man is just being critical. And when they approached him like that, he said, I'm going to cut it in half again. <laughs> so... And Ramachandra Puri came to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu a few days later, and he saw some ants walking out of Lord Chaitanya's room. And he said, again and again began to criticize. Just see this sannyasi. He claims to be a renunciate, but he's eating sweets. All these ants. See, what a hypocrite. So again, Lord Chaitanya is going to reduce his eating even more <laughs> because of the criticism of Ramachandra Puri. And there's no happy ending to this, this pastime. It, it wasn't that Ramachandra Puri was cursed with leprosy or something. He just finally left the village and all the devotees said, oh, thank God. <laughs>
So, um, actually, I think it was Pori where this all took place. In any case, the point is that if we get too hung up in the rules and regulations, it doesn't help our spiritual life or other spiritual lives. So the rules and regulations are meant to be the servant of the main rule and regulation, which is what? Always and never forget Krishna, right? And so in understanding this pastime of Lord Chaitanya, we have to see how he was uh, kind of adhering to the rules and regulations of sannyas, but not really, because he went to a non-Vaishnava guru, uh, Keshava Bharti. But he was doing it because people had some respect. In Kali Yuga, there's very little respect for sannyasis outside of India. It's practically non-existent. India too. Yes. Yes. So, um, in the Delhi Pandal, I believe, in, in, in the early 70s, in a Delhi Pandal, Srila Prabhupada um, spoke to this huge audience and said, the actual meaning of sannyas is to work as one is obliged for the purpose of pleasing Krishna. Anashita karma palam karyam karyam karoti ya. <clears throat> this this is the sannyas, true meaning of sannyas, not one who performs no work nor lights no fire. Working as one is obliged, puts one in the renounced order. So Prabhupada was explaining like this, that these, he said these young men and women have given up their ordinary duties for the purpose of trying to please Krishna. Therefore they are uh, all sannyasis, all of them, even the women and children, he said. <laughs> So the, the meaning of sannyasa has also become eclipsed in Kali Yuga like that. <clears throat> it is really meant, uh, what it really means is just to work for Krishna's pleasure. And that's something every one of us can do in any station of life. Um, and even if we are unsuccessful, you know, we, there's no loss. We try to please Krishna and yet we fall short. Sannyas means very strictly one must not fall down. But if one somehow does fall down after trying to dedicate one's life to serving Krishna, what is the loss? There's no loss for that person. Does anyone remember the verse from the Bhagavad Gita in which Krishna makes this point? How there's no loss if one tries to serve Krishna? It's called Nehabikrama Nasosti, it's in the second chapter. Nehabikrama Nasosti, Pratyavaya Navidyate, Swapam Apyasya Dharmasya, Triate Mahatobaya. On this advancement, there's no loss or diminution. And even a little progress can save one from the worst kind of fear, and that is the fear of uh, uh, repeated birth. So, this is another great benefit of Krishna's service. Better than sannyas. Better than sannyas. Uh, just trying to please Krishna. <clears throat> so um, the rules and regulations, yena tena prakarina mana krishna navesha, they can all come later on. The, all the details of devotional service. They are good for sharpening our, our consciousness, but they're not the purpose. Uh, the, in the Gita, Krishna also makes a very strong statement that Veda Vadarata Parta, Arjuna, those whose minds are preoccupied by the flowery words of the Vedas cannot escape 
the forest of delusion. It speaks in very strong terms. When your mind is no longer disturbed by all of these flowery words of the Vedas, then you will not be entangled in the forest of delusion anymore. When your mind no longer seeks to <clears throat> meet all of these little detailed rules and regulations, then you'll be free of the obligation or the sense of entitlement that comes when you follow them all. See, all of these things are actually impediments to spiritual life. If the purpose of life is just to please Krishna, it's a simple thing. It doesn't require a lot. You know, Krishna says very nicely, patram pushpam palam toyam yome bhakta prayashati. Just offer me a fruit, flower, leaf, or water. Sorry, leaf, flower, fruit, or water. has to be in that order. Because leaves come in the spring, flowers come in the summer, fruits come in the fall, and even when there's no leaves, flowers, or fruits, you can always melt some snow and get some water. So even in the wintertime, any time of year, you can find some little thing to offer to Krishna. And by that principle of renunciation, Krishna says, you will come to me. So Lord Chaitanya took sannyas because <clears throat> people would offer superficially some respect. But it wasn't necessary for Lord Chaitanya to take sannyas. Yet he did it uh, to, to help uh, establish Krishna consciousness. So any comments on this much? How are we doing on time? 8.30? So, yes, Prabhuji. Uh, like, uh, when we are not the authority trying to correct someone else, mm. really hinders their Krishna consciousness. Mm. Thank you so much for bringing that point up. Because we see that happen so many times. This keeps happening again and again, somehow. I, I, maybe I make the same mistake that sounds. We all make that mistake, yeah. <laughs> Try, correcting people, thinking that it's more important that they follow some detailed rule, and yet being oblivious to how that affects them, how, they, how it might feel, make them feel discouraged. I was speaking with one young lady not long ago in Columbus, Ohio, and she said she had, had read a book about this very strict Vedic, how you have a very strict definition of being a Vedic woman. And she said she read that book and she just started crying and said, I can't be a devotee. <laughs> I can't be a devotee in this movement. And, and you know, I thought, what a, what a shame it is, even to put these things in writing especially. This is what you have to do. This da, 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 da. But we don't hear that from Prabhupada. What we hear is just chant Hare Krishna and be happy. Just add Krishna to your life. Krishna is the one that makes all your zeros into millions. You know, positive things. So they, they say in management that you should make an effort to catch people doing something right. <laughs> Try to look for the positives. A person and tell them, oh, you just did a very good job at this or that. You know, one of my my god brothers told me this that he uh, he he joined the temple with another devotee at the same time. Actually, I think they were initiated at the same time. So he was a heroin addict before taking up Krishna consciousness, and the other devotee was an architect, educated young man. 
So they would get letters from Srila Prabhupada being early disciples. And whenever this one devotee would get a letter, it would be, you are, uh, you are doing so nicely, keep chanting, you're doing so wonderfully. And that was the heroin addict. And when the architect would get a letter, it would be, you are a nonsense, why have you done this? <laughs> so my friend could understand that this other devotee was more advanced. Um, he was getting correction. But when Prabhupada corrected somebody, how did they feel? They feel enlivened because he would do it from a position of love and affection and genuinely wanting to help, and the other person would feel that. But if we are not on that level and the, our efforts to instruct others make them discouraged, then we should just take the other approach. <laughs> Look for the good. Look for the good. One has to be very deep in one's love and compassion for others to be able to correct and then have that reaction. Thank you. Prabhupada could do that. People would feel, after being chastised by Prabhupada, they would feel very uplifted. <laughs> but more often we see that people are criticized, they feel very discouraged. So really one just has to be oneself for Krishna. And people will express their Krishna consciousness in different ways. Especially in the very early days, Prabhupada just said, yes, that is all right. Like, like deity worship, for example, we're just reading about in Gainesville about how the first deities were installed. So he said, all right, just take a candle, put it on a plate, and stand before Lord Jagannath and circle to the right a few times. And then when that person is tired, hand the plate to somebody else, and they do it for a while. And then somebody, <laughs> no pujari, no you know, multiple articles, just everyone, no matter what they're wearing or who they were, if they're just there for the first time, doesn't matter. Everyone just stand up and offer this candle to Lord John. That was the whole Pujari program. <laughs> and yet he installed the deities and he accepted the worship and he, you know, he engaged the devotees in doing this. So um, we should learn from Prabhupada's mood of compassion and acceptance and not try to, uh, that will elevate people, not just correcting them. Thank you, Prabhu. So, Hare Krishna. It's like that raising children, right? If you're always uh, too harsh, then they will just run away. You have to be able to encourage with love. But parents naturally love the children. But to be able to give love in Krishna consciousness takes it takes a deeper understanding of the philosophy. Hare Krishna. All right, any other comments? Thoughts? Yes. So uh, one one technique is to think, uh, if I was in this person's shoes, I'd probably be doing the same thing. If if I had this person's situation, very likely I would be in the... How would I feel? 
So that, that's one way to, to invoke some compassion in our hearts and try to consider things from the other person's point of view. Um, uh, the other, another technique is to understand if a person is doing something that is hurting us or aggravating us or somehow disturbing us. Prabhupada said, See, he said, never blame the agent of your own karma. This person is just manifesting something I have done in the past and, and it's hurting me. And it's not their fault. This is my own responsibility. And whatever pains or pleasures I'm going through are just a result of things that I have done in the past. So, therefore, tate nukampam susamikshamano bunjana evatmakritam vipakam. Prabhupada said this should be the motto of all devotees. One who goes on suffering the reactions of past sins, all the while worshipping Krishna from the core of the heart and always expecting Krishna's mercy. I'm suffering now due to my past sins, but I expect that Krishna's going to be very merciful to me. That person uh, inherits the kingdom of God because it has become their rightful claim. So this, this um, continuing to worship Krishna with all of our hearts in spite of the sufferings that we're going through, in spite of what we see other people doing wrong, especially towards us, this is the way to develop compassion. In other words, they don't, we don't have to become all disturbed and agitated. We're not in control. We can't stop people from doing what they do. So we... Um, expect that there's going to be sufferings and, and setbacks and anomalies in this world. If we have, if we think it's going to be perfect, then we're going to be greatly disappointed. And one more point about developing compassion for others, we have to start by being compassionate for ourselves. Compassion for the eternal soul, Prophet said, is self-realization. So what is the eternal soul? We are uh, souls that have decided to leave Krishna Come to Texas. Uh, we are uh, attached to all kinds of things, conceptions of ourselves, all kinds of material sense gratification, and we've gotten in this very compromised and awkward position. Now, by the mercy of our spiritual master, we're getting a way out. So, if we are still struggling with some previous attachments, that's to be expected don't have to be perfect. And that way we can be compassionate on ourselves and not always judging ourselves. That's when the judgment comes towards others, when we feel we have to be so hard on ourselves in order to improve. It doesn't improve us. It just makes us self-absorbed. <laughs> right? um, it said that humility means thinking, not thinking of your, less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. <laughs> So compassion towards ourselves is the beginning of compassion towards others. Be gentle on yourself and then you'll naturally be gentle on others. Be judgmental of yourself and you'll be judgmental of others. All right. All right, so we'll stop there. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srimad Prabhupada Ki Jai. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.